Awesome. We have finished our Sunday mornings sometimes this early, uh, and I still have a 45-minute sermon, so buckle up. (laughs) Just kidding. It's 50 minutes, so uh, (laughs) who am I kidding? But I I do want to start our new series this morning, Reaching Forward. Um, I I want us to just kind of intro it this morning so it is a bit of a shorter message, but I want us to get an idea of what we're talking about for the next coming weeks. Uh, One of the things I I do want to talk about is that how easy it is to get caught up in just operating in the today, just so focused on today. As a parent, sometimes it's a victory just to get through another day with all your kids in one piece. You know, you just, success. They're down for bed. There were no trips to the ER. Everybody's good. As a spouse, it can be a victory to get through another day without another fight, without getting into an argument or there being World War III in the house. As a church, it can be a victory to get through another year with the doors open. Uh, For me, I, I know, I feel like I say this too much, but I didn't grow up in the church, and so some of the things about the church were always strange to me, and one of them would be at the annual meetings when churches would just celebrate, we're still open, we made it another year. And I'm like, I don't know that that's something to celebrate necessarily. Like, what are we actually celebrating? See, if we're not careful, life can become more about what we're avoiding as individuals, as parents, as husband and wife, and even as churches. Well, we avoided closing. We avoided losing money this year. We avoided whatever, barring the doors can become more about what we're avoiding than where we're going. Think about your last week, just this past week. What did you celebrate? What have you celebrated this past week? Goals that you hit, accomplishments, successes, or did you celebrate things that could have happened and didn't? Oh man, we really avoided that one. Maybe a crisis you avoided. Just getting through another day or another week. I know as parents, sometimes Jackie and I, we put the kids to bed and she's like, whew, we got through another one. You know, and, and, and that's just a reality is that sometimes life becomes about that. But to live that way in a continuous way, it's, just, it's not what God wants for us to just survive, to just make it another day, another week, another year. John 10.10 says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. God desires for you to have an abundant life. Do you believe that this morning? But many of us, we've settled for surviving. That's become the bar for us, is just to survive. Maybe you're afraid to want an abundant life because you're afraid to get your hopes up. You're afraid to to really look forward to the abundant life because the enemy has convinced you you'll never have an abundant life. That's not for you. That's just for other people that read the Bible. You'd be amazed at how many people believe that truth. 
to be true for other people, just not for themselves. Maybe the enemy has convinced you that you don't even deserve it because he, he reminds you of your sin, he reminds you of your sin patterns, he reminds you of your past, he reminds you of, of what you did this morning or the attitudes or the thoughts in your mind or in your heart, and he says you don't deserve the abundant life. It's like we forget the beginning of the verse. He's a thief. He only comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's his motive, that's what he does. So of course he's gonna convince you that you don't deserve it because that's his role, is to try to steal the abundant life from you. And so if you're here this morning and, and, and you struggle with that, like I don't deserve it because I whatever. First, I just want you to understand how flawed that is. You don't get abundant life because of you. You don't deserve abundant life because of you, because of what you have done or what you've not done. We receive abundant life because of him, because of what he did, and nothing you do can cancel out what he did. And so when the enemy tries to tell you, you don't deserve it, you'll never have it, it's not gonna be yours because you, whatever, it's a lie. Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. The enemy cannot steal that unless you allow him to, unless you give it to him. I'd like to do something this morning, since we've been, a lot of us have been sitting, some of us were standing up here. Um, in a moment, I'm gonna have you stand, and we're gonna read over Psalm 23, and we're gonna read it to ourselves. So if you could, just go ahead and stand, stretch out those legs a minute, wake up, wake your neighbor up. Um, Make sure that they know they're supposed to be standing. If you can't stand, it's okay. You don't have to stand. But I'm not gonna read this over you. You're going to read this over yourself. And as you do, uh, I don't know if you're in the habit of doing this, but uh, I want you to just kind of extend your hands. It's like a receiving posture, like you're gonna take something from somebody. They're gonna give you something. I, I, if you can, I'd like you to just open your hands in a receiving posture and we're gonna read Psalm 23 over ourselves. And I want you to, to really focus on the words. And I want you to speak it as a declaration over yourself. So that the words will be on the screen. Um, and I want you to read them over yourself. A Davidic Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I lack. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Amen. You may be seated. 
I wanted you to read that over yourself and speak it as a declaration over yourself because there's so much, there's so much I language in there. It wasn't like a we thing. It was more of like a I'm gonna receive this for myself kind of psalm. Uh, many of you probably have memorized the psalm and it was probably hard for you if you were trying to read it off the screen to not repeat it in whatever translation, probably King James that you memorized it in or something like that. Uh, so it might have been a challenge. And, and if we ever do things like that, please feel free to just speak it out in your own translation. You don't have to you know, just verbatim like a robot read it out just like we are. Um, feel free to repeat it in whatever version you've got it memorized. Or What I wanted is for us to do some type of exercise where we realize we speak it over ourselves. You don't know the power of your own words spoken from your own mouth. It's one of the reasons we're encouraged not just to read the scriptures but to speak them over ourselves, to, to speak them to our children, to speak them to our neighbors. The more we repeat it, the more we share the gospel with ourselves, the more that we speak it out, the more it will impact us and, and speak to us. See, right after Jesus tells us that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy and how he has come to give us abundant life in that John passage, right after it, in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. As our good shepherd, Jesus will always lead us to abundant life. That's the only path he has for us. He doesn't have a path that leads to a terrible, horrible life for you. He doesn't have a path that leads to a miserable existence. He doesn't have a path that leads to just surviving. His path for you is to abundant life because he's a good shepherd. A good shepherd doesn't just let his sheep survive. It's his job, it's his goal, it's his aim to help his sheep thrive, not just live another day. Now, this doesn't always equate to ease and comfort, so I need you to hear that. When we talk about abundant life, I'm not saying that your bank account's gonna be full. I'm not, gonna say, I'm not saying that you're gonna drive the nicest car, you're gonna have the nicest house, you're gonna have the nicest everything. That's not at all what abundant life means. That's what our culture may define it as, but as people who have way more money than me have experienced, that doesn't lead to abundant life just because you're rich. Just because you have more zeros in your bank account does not equate abundant life. But even in the dark valleys, he will comfort us and it will be abundant life. If you've not experienced it, that in your life, hopefully, prayerfully, you will experience that some of the most rich moments you'll have with Jesus will be in those dark valleys. It'll be when you're in a place where you, you can't even see the light anymore and you're just in a, in a bad spot and then you feel the overwhelming presence of Jesus and you feel him wrap you up in his arms because there's nothing greater than that moment when you realize he's here. He met me in the ugliest place I have found myself. He met me and he was there. And so when you read this Psalm of David, I mean, first off, if you don't know David's life, you really need to get a good understanding of his life to understand what he's talking about, being in a dark valley, walking through the valley of the shadow of death and God being there with him. Because it's this false Christianity that says like, 
Oh, the best, best time is when everything's going great and life is wonderful and everything's spectacular and, and that's when God's blessing you. Like, ah. Some of the best blessings are the valleys that God allows us to go into so that he can walk us through, so that we are humbled, so that we understand what it means to walk with him. It's why the Bible, uh, the authors of the Bible can say things like, uh, consider it pure joy, my brethren, when you experience ver- trials of various kinds because they know that's where God meets you and it's a beautiful thing, it's hard, it's ugly, it hurts, it's not fun. But man, when God meets us there, what that does. Through this series, we're gonna be discussing what it means to reach forward toward this abundant life and the things which are keeping us from experiencing this abundant life. A huge focus of this series is gonna be looking at why aren't we experiencing abundant life? What is holding us back? I really like the graphic uh, of this uh, series. Uh, sometimes I, you know, I'm, I get a little nerdy, I get really into the graphics, but I love that there's this gap between where this guy is and where he's going. And many of us are sitting still on the other side of that gap and we just don't know how to get over it. And we know that we can't make the jump because we got too much baggage. We can't get over that. We can't get to the other side because of all the stuff that's weighing us down. We've got anxieties. We've got all kinds of stuff that's going on. And so we just feel like we see, we know that there's abundant life in Christ and we just don't know how to access it. We don't know how to get there. Paul speaks of this idea of reaching forward toward God's promises in his letter to the Philippian church. In Philippians chapter three, uh, verses 12 to 14, it says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Do you consider yourself to have reached the goal? So there's some very serious questions I think we need to answer for ourselves before we journey through this series. For some, the goal was salvation. And so they feel they have reached the goal. I mean, let's be honest with some of us. That was our goal, is we just don't wanna go to hell. So as long as we're saved, we have reached the goal. That's the goal we set, we've reached it, we're good. Some of us consider ourselves to be fully mature. One of the funniest surveys I've ever seen done in a church is when uh, we we put out a survey in another church uh, of like how spiritually mature do you feel and like almost to a T, it was like the longer people walked with Jesus, the lower they put themselves on the, on the one to 10 grid. And it's like the newer they were with Jesus, it's like, oh man, I'm like a nine. You know, and you're looking at them, you're like, you ain't no nine, I'm telling you that. But it's like the longer we walk with him, the more we realize, man, I, I am nowhere near the holiness that Jesus is. And so we, we, you know, in a healthy way, we put ourselves lower, not like, oh, I'm a dirtbag, so I put myself as a one. But we realize, like, well, well, I'm not fully mature. Some of us, though, we think we're done growing. We've gotten where we want to go with Jesus. We've gotten enough. We've gotten close enough, and so we're done. 
How many of us are not even pursuing the same goal that Paul is speaking about? How many of us have the goal at salvation or, or avoiding hell? And so once we've crossed that goal line, we're like, well, I guess I'm done. I guess I've reached the goal. How many of us are simply putting in the time and seeking to do the least possible and still be considered a Christian? I feel like that's, that happens a lot in churches. Like, well, I don't feel like I have to go to church every week. And I don't have to serve. I just, I need to show up. And what's the least amount of money I can give? What's, what's the least amount I can do and still be a Christian? And let me just assuage your, your, your fears. You don't have to give any money. You don't have to attend church at all. But let me tell you what you'll want to do if you are in relationship with Jesus is you'll wanna be with his people. You'll wanna congregate. You'll wanna spend time. You'll wanna share testimonies of what he's doing. You'll be excited for times that you get to share manifest moments because God is working in your life and he's active and he's moving and you're excited for what God's doing in other people. And you get excited when you hear them share their testimonies because you're like, that's awesome that God's working in their life too. And you want to journey with Jesus. How many of us can echo what Paul says here about pursuing the goal? He says, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. How many of us can say it's a true pursuit for us? For many of us, there's baggage which keeps us from reaching forward to what is ahead. Things like bitterness, broken relationships, shame, past failures, trauma, past glories, We look back and say, oh, if only the church was like it was in the 90s or the 80s or the 70s. We look back and we think it used to be so great when the churches were full and there was standing room only. I mean, one of the things, you know, in conversation with other pastors that I, I, I don't necessarily agree with is they're like, oh, man, what COVID did. I'm like, man, I love what COVID did. Because all the people that didn't want to go to church anymore, they stopped. And the people that do come to church now, the people that want to gather, the people that want to uh, be in relationship, they're coming, they're here because they want to be. And I'm, I'm okay with that. I want us to gather as a family who genuinely wants Jesus. And if people don't want that, then that's okay with me that they don't come every Sunday and fake it. I'm okay with them not faking it. See, we can't access the abundant life because we haven't fully dealt with the things from our past. People have hurt us. We've done things. We've experienced things. We don't want to let go of things. We can't do as Paul says and forget what is behind because what is behind has never been released or it's never been healed. We've never actually got release from that thing and so it holds us back consistently and constantly in our Christian life. And we've, we've never quite gotten over that, that gap. And so if you're a believer, you're left with this desire to reach forward. You hear talk, you hear, you read the Bible and it says, oh, this abundant life and you're like, yeah, that'd be great, but you're met with the shame of failure so often in your attempts. Maybe it's a New Year's resolution or you you just say, okay, I'm gonna finally, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna experience this. And you're met with failure time and time again. You're left with this constant nagging guilt 
because you know you should be doing more to draw close to God, but you aren't. And every now and then it hits you and you're like, oh, I know I should do more. I know I should be closer to Jesus. But there is hope. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13, many of you know at least 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Do you believe that this morning? Verse 12 says, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. For some of us, this is why we haven't experienced abundant life because we think it's about church attendance, we think it's about putting more money in an offering plate, we think it's about stopping smoking, stopping this, stopping that, doing that. Call to him. Come and pray to him. I mean really pray, not just like in your car on the way to work or when you have it as a convenient moment, but genuinely engage in Jesus' desperate prayer and he will listen to you. Verse 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. This is the part I think we miss. We love Jeremiah 29, 11, but man, the end of 13, we don't really care too much for because we don't want to give Jesus all our heart. We just want to give him that peace that we're comfortable with. Have you ever tried seeking God with all your heart? Or has it been repeated half efforts? Never fully committing because maybe you're afraid of getting let down. You're afraid of really giving Jesus your whole heart because you're not sure what he's gonna do with it. Do you believe that God has plans for our church family? Do you think God looks, looks at Dubois Alliance and says, man, I've got a plan for you, a plan to prosper you? Do you think God looks at Dubois, the town itself, and says, I've got plans for you? Plans for our welfare and to give us a future and a hope. Do you believe that? Both of our church and of our community. I'm glad that we got to spend the first 40 days of our year in concentrated prayer because reaching forward for the promises of God will require us to search for God with all of our hearts. Half efforts won't get us there. You will, we will need to continue in serious prayer and fasting if we want to find God in the darkness of this world. If we want to see God move. I, I mean, I've been encouraged uh, watching things like the Asbury Revival and other colleges and other places where it seems like God is popping up and, and hopefully they're not just copies or uh, imitations of what God's doing. And hopefully, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of people like commenting on, and their take on what's going on in Asbury and I'm like, man, just give it up. Let, let them have their thing. Hopefully it is God moving and, and you know, instead of us critiquing it or trying to criticize it or trying to downplay it, just say like, God, my prayer is that, man, come alive in that place. Change people's lives. It's not my job to judge what's going on over there. I just pray that God's moving 
in powerful and manifest ways. And I pray that same thing over us. I hope we have a manifestation of God. And I hope, uh, first I pray for renewal before revival. Revival is for the, the community. Man, the church needs renewal. We need people who are founded in Jesus. We need people who are desperately dependent for him. We need people who, who don't constantly feel this guilt of like, oh, I know I should pray more. I know I should give God more of my heart. But people that are like, man, I am, I am bought in, sold out. I am in with every ounce of my being. And you gather a group of those people and they begin to pray and you get that renewal and then the revival fire sets in, man. There is nothing that God can't do with that. So what can we take away from what we talked about today? Well, first I think the most important question for us as we journey through this series is, do you want to reach forward to what is ahead? You gotta be honest with that. Because for some of us, the answer is no. Eh, I'm comfortable where I am. I'm happy just surviving. I'm good. We consider surviving, that's abundant enough for me. Because I know to reach forward is dangerous. I know to reach forward is scary. It's gonna cost me something. It's gonna require things of me that I'm just not sure I'm willing to do. So I want us to take a moment to answer that. We need to understand that this will require some death. I mean, to reach forward for what God wants. Look at Paul's life. I, I can't even fathom the amount of death that Paul had to go through in his life. Death of his pride, of his own ways, of his own ways of doing things, of, of so much of what he thought about. Like, I can only imagine after Paul spends his time, you know, being trained up, after he, you know, comes from being Saul to Paul and he spends that time in the wilderness and what his idea of serving God must have been like, oh, it's gonna be wonderful. I'm so smart, I'm so talented, I'm gonna lead this movement, it's gonna be glorious, and then God just brutalizes him for the rest of his life. And he says, I consider it pure joy. He gets to that place where he acknowledges abundant life is so different from what I thought it was, but man, is it awesome. It's so much better than what I thought it would be See, reaching forward, it might require opening old wounds so they can be healed. That's gonna hurt. Letting go of things that we have found comfort in in the past. It will be hard, ugly, painful, and inconvenient. I know I'm the best salesman for this ever. But Jesus will be there the whole time. That's where he is. If you choose to stay where you are or go in the direction of easy and pretty and painless and convenient, you stay or go without God. And I wanna just address that for a second. See, we have this misconception of how God will be right there with us no matter where we are or what we do. That because I asked Jesus at an altar one day that he's gonna go with me and he's gonna protect me and everything's gonna be gravy for me the rest of my life, no matter what I choose to do, no matter if I turn my back on him, no matter if I focus on myself and put my kingdom on the throne and I completely reject God's kingdom, that God's gonna be there with me the whole time. But all those verses about God's blessing, his protection, and his presence are for those walking according to his purposes. 
You might wonder why things in your life seem to keep resulting in failure and frustration and why you keep getting angry at God that things aren't going your way and why you keep getting hurt and why you're just not experiencing what you want and you're not getting what you want. Maybe the reason is because the prize you're pursuing isn't the one that Paul was. In Philippians 3.14, he says, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Paul's not pursuing his own kingdom. He's not pursuing his glory. He's not pursuing comfortability or convenience. And let's be honest, some of us are. We want God's kingdom without the sacrifice. We want his blessings without the tough stuff. We want glorious riches without the trials, without the pain. And as Paul makes it very clear through his writings and in his life, the the journey to abundant life has a lot of valleys in it. But Jesus goes there with us every time. And I don't know about you, if you've walked with Jesus long enough, then you know I'd much rather be in a valley with Jesus than on a mountaintop without him. Because where he is is where I want to be. We should ensure, despite our church attendance and, and, and the donations, how much money is coming in, uh, no matter all the metrics that some people use to measure church success by, that we don't end up like those Paul talks about just a few verses later in Philippians. He says in verses eight, 18 and 19, for I have often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They're focused on earthly things. That's a surefire way to make sure we never receive abundant life is to put our desires, our glory, our everything before what Jesus wants. It was interesting just this morning I was doing our reading the Bible through in a year and I, and I read in uh, our reading about his false prophecies and all of these things and God was just speaking to me about, man, like it has always bothered me when you know, I talk to people and um, Christians now who, man, they can name you any player from any like team, whatever sport you're talking about, all their stats and all these crazy things about you know, their sports players or they know about all the, the current pop culture. They can hear a song for just a second and tell you what artist that is and what's going on in their life and who they're married to and, and all these crazy things. We have experts on all this stuff. And in my experience, I, I have just found it to be very rare to find experts in the word of God. And now I'm only talking Christians. I'm not even talking about the world. And we think, we read things in the Old Testament about like all the idolatry and all of these things and and I I think that we don't have abundant life because we don't know how to put Jesus on the throne. All of our stuff, our work, our family, our hobbies, our passions, everything else gets a turn on the throne. And we let Jesus sit there for maybe an hour on a Sunday morning. We think that's enough. And we look at the world and we say, the world, look at the world. They're ruining everything. Our culture's going down the tubes. Look at all the stuff, the teachings that are in the schools and, and, and all the, the, the sexuality that's happening in schools and in, in the culture. And we think it's their fault. But we're still comfortable being experts on everything other than the word of God. And we consider the degradation of our culture to be their fault, not ours. 
And so I believe that God is calling us to abundant life, but it's gonna be tough, it'll be difficult. The stuff we're gonna talk about in the next couple of weeks, it's gonna hit home for some of us. It's gonna hurt. It might send you in a, in, into a dark valley. But man, I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna be praying desperately that God is gonna meet you in those places. That for some of us, we have been circling a dark valley for years and years, and we don't wanna go down into there. We know that on the other side of it is Jesus is the promised land. And we know that on the other side is the continuation of our journey with God. But we just don't wanna go through the valley because we know it's gonna hurt. We know it's gonna be painful. We don't wanna forgive that person because it feels better to hate them, to hold on to the bitterness. And I'm telling you now, God is gonna walk us through some dark valleys as we journey in this. And so I encourage you to, to find people in your church that you're comfortable talking to Find brothers and sisters here who, uh, and they don't have to even go to our church. They can be people in other churches and whatever that looks like for you that you can process with, that you can talk to, that you can have as godly counsel. Don't go through that valley alone. Jesus will be there, but man, grab some brothers and sisters and take, let them walk you through that valley to encourage you on, to pray with you as you go through that stuff because there is abundant life for each and every one of us. We deserve it, not because of us, but because simply because Jesus spoke it over us, because he did something, we can experience abundant life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, for what you're doing in our lives, God, for this abundant life you have for us. What a blessing it is to know that even in this life, in this broken world, you have plans to prosper us, plans for success for us. And Lord, we acknowledge at the same time that those plans might not look the way we think they look. We know that that's not ease, that's not convenience. We know that the path to abundant life and even abundant life itself is many times wrought with valleys and dark places and trials. But Lord, I pray a special blessing over every person who is willing to go wherever you go, to walk through the dark valleys that you have been inviting them into, some for years, valleys of bitterness, valleys of shame, valleys of regret, valleys of trauma, and Lord, I pray that we will love one another well. That when we see someone struggling, we won't think it's somebody else's responsibility, but we'll throw an arm around someone and we'll pray over them. We'll walk with them shoulder to shoulder through these valleys. That we will not stop as a people, as a family, at surviving, but we will continue on to places of abundance in you. God, I pray not just for revival over this town and over our people here, but I pray for renewal. I, I pray for zeal. I pray for unction in people. I pray for passion in you, God, that we would become experts of your word, that we would put you before our passions, before our hobbies, before everything else, that you would take that central role in our life, that you would sit on the throne of our hearts. And that as we journey forward and through these dark places, God, we would meet you like we've never met you before. 
I pray that you would bless us as we journey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, have a great week. Hope to see you Saturday and next Sunday.